All right, let's pray. God, we ask for your uh, spirit to speak to us uh, during this time. Uh, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you uh, build into us where we need to be built into us? And we give you, uh, God, the freedom to do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we've been doing a little series called Community and Connection. Um, we will be getting back into Ephesians probably in a couple weeks here. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, the family of God. And we spent the first talk, uh, uh, part of that message talking about the uh, loneliness epidemic that loneliness is becoming more and more rampant in people's lives, uh, which is odd when you think about how connected we can be through social media and travel, and, but we're actually being, uh, finding ourselves more and more alone. And it doesn't matter what your age you're in, young people, middle-aged, elderly people are finding themselves more and more alone. More people are living on by themselves, uh, more people are waiting later to get married, and generally we are just more alone, and it's becoming a crisis. And it's a health crisis, if you remember, uh, that they've just came out with a recent study that found that uh, feeling extremely lonely in your life is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, which, which is amazing. And this is why they're trying to look in, into the, in the health field, the, the problems of loneliness. But as we talked about, uh, sometimes we can even feel alone when we, are, when we have people around us. Uh, sometimes people will feel alone in the church or even alone in a marriage. Uh, we used this quote last week from Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams. He said, I used to think that the worst thing in life was to end up alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people who make you feel alone. And so we can experience tremendous loneliness, whether we're with people or uh, without people, uh, but it's a problem, and it's one of those things that, that Jesus came to address, that Jesus does not want you to be alone, and Jesus came down to connect us with each other and to connect us uh, back to God. He reached out to the isolated and brought them into the family of God. We talked about the family of God last week and how uh, we don't have to be alone anymore. Because he has brought us into this new family. If you feel isolated from your biological family or don't feel loved in your real family, that God has provided you a family. Or God is our father and we call ourselves brothers and sisters and, and uh, we try to walk this road of love. But we also talked about some of the complications in the family of God because this is not only an easy spot. And sometimes people say, you know, it's hard to be in community and you bet it's hard. Uh, remember how I talked about how uh, sometimes people are surprised about the difficulties of trying to live in community in a church. Uh, but this is a family. Uh, you look at a married couple and how much trouble just two people have together. Uh, you add, again, like a little baby and a teenager or something there, it gets really complicated. But this is a very large family. We, again, we probably have 150, 175 people who call this their home. This is a big family, and you bet it's going to be messy. But as we said, that God has perfectly designed the church, including the messiness, for a reason. Because it's the messiness that helps us grow in our ability to love one another. And we talked about how we must, must, must allow our relational challenges to mature us in love. When we run from our relational challenges, we just end up uh, stagnating our growth in love. The way we grow in love is by allowing our relational challenges to mature us. 
It's no different than going to the gym. If you want to get your muscles stronger, you've got to work hard. You've got to put some pressure. If you want to work your ability to love, it means there's got to be some pressure. As Jesus said, what good is it if you love those who love you? Anybody can do that. But are you allowing your relational challenges to mature you? And it's part of the reasons why, why we live life in community to help us grow in love. As Paul said, the only thing that counts in Galatians 5 is faith being expressed in love. It's one of the most important things that we must be growing in. And today we want to talk about the idea of friendship because we are to be in community, but we also need close friends. And sometimes people will be in community, uh, be a part of a church, but they don't have any close friends. Now what is a friend? Because we're in a world where I don't know, I got like 300, 400 friends on Facebook. I don't even know. A lot of people have seen people with 3,000 friends. I mean, are those really your friends? Uh, what is a friend? We've kind of lost what a friend is. Uh, here's one person who often offered a definition. And by the way, statistically, the average person only has two friends, close friends. Uh, 25 years ago, it was three or more. Again, we are becoming more isolated and more alone. Uh, one professor said this, the mark of true friendship is mutual aid, regard, and concern for the other. True friends come to your rescue, celebrate your success if, as it was, if, uh, uh, if it was their own, and respect the ebb and flow of your life. They show trust, forgiveness, gratitude, honesty, commitment, support, enthusiasm, and gladness towards their friends without exception of gain or return. Uh, Bill Hybels uh, for a long time used this definition for community, and I, th and I think it works well for friendship, that this is what a friend is. And you know when you're in friendship, when uh, it is to know and be known, uh, to love and be loved, to serve and be served, to celebrate and be celebrated. Uh, are there people in your life who really know you, who actually really know you? And are there people that you really know? Do you, do you have any close friends? Because uh, a lot of people don't. Uh, statistics tells one in eight adults say they have no close friends. And again, this is, this is a health issue because God has not desired us to live isolated. He has desired us to live with people. Uh, Cambridge News had this, that people with no close friends were two and a half times as likely to say they feel down, depressed, or hopeless, either often or uh, all of the time. 31% of those with four or more close friends. Is there something missing there? No, 31% of people who oh. don't have friends. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Perfect. Whatever she said. That's exactly it. <laughs> There's a passage in the book of Acts. It says this. Uh, this is Paul, and he is uh, meeting with the elders of Ephesus for the last time. And it said this, when he had said this, he, he said he's probably not going to see them again. He knelt down with, them, uh, with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced and kissed him. What, grief, uh, what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. So here Paul is saying, I'm leaving and I'm not going to see you again. I may not see you again. And they actually gather around him and they weep with him. Now, if you were to leave this area and you said, I don't know if I'm ever going to be back, would you have anybody who would weep over you? Would you have anybody who said, you know, I'm going to miss you terribly and I don't want you to go? Would you have anybody who would actually care? 
And if you're like, I don't know if I would have anybody who would be like emotional over that, it could be that you don't have any close friends. And this is not the way God designed you. God has designed you to be known and loved and served and celebrated. He has designed us to be in community. Now, sometimes people say, well, I don't need any close friends. I'm one of those independent men, you know, or whatever it might be. I don't need any close friends. I'm, I just got God. He's my friend. I don't need any close friends. Well, God has wired you to need people. In fact, the reality is God is not enough. And sometimes people say this, well, I don't need any friends because God is enough. In a sense, he is, but in a sense, he's not. You remember in the book of Genesis, God creates Adam. And this is a perfect world. There is no sin in the world. And God looks at Adam and says, it is not good for man to be alone. Now you think God would be enough. He's walking with God in a perfect relationship. Just this beauty, there was no sin. It was perfect. And God says, I am not enough. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, of course, there's a sense that God is enough, but there's a sense he has wired us for other people. Now, you might say, well, I thought this was talk this is talking about marriage, not friendship. Well, do you know the best marriages are built when you marry your best friend? They're built on friendship. Uh, this has everything to do with friendship. God has not designed us to walk alone. Uh, God works and gives grace through other people. If you isolate yourselves, you will never, ever, ever experience the full grace of God. You just won't. Because most of the time, God actually works through other people. We look at uh, just some passages of Paul. It says, God who comforts the downcast. Of course, God is enough. He comforts me. He comforts the downcast. How did he do it? Through friends. He comforts us by the coming of Titus. How happy Titus was because his spirit has been refreshed by you all, my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort for me. Often God will bless you through people. And it's why we need people around us because it helps us experience the fullness of God and his grace and who he is. And we are weak when we are by ourselves. As the old saying goes, Satan will often try to isolate you so he can assassinate you. You know how a lion works, you know? Uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, that lions love to get those people who are fading off the back of the pack, who are isolated. And it's no different in the kingdom. He loves to pull people out of community. He loves to break relationship because if he can pull you out of community, he will much easily, more easily grab a grip on your life because he wants to isolate you so he can assassinate you. I mean, the reality is we need people. God says we need people. If you think I don't need people, well, then God says you do, you say you don't, and I think one of you is right, and it's probably not you. It's probably God. Uh, we need people. As Howard Hughes, the guy who was worth $4 billion, he said, I'd give it all for one good friend. There's nothing more amazing just having a good friend who when you're down or broken, who will come, you can talk to, who knows you and you know them, that you don't have to hide, you don't have to pretend. I mean, do you have anyone like that in your life? And if you don't, then God wants to help you. God wants to move you into a place of friendship. And so let's talk a little bit about friends. The Bible actually has a lot to say about friends because this is part of his desire for us. Part of his will is for you to have good friends. And he talks about how we should choose friends carefully. 
Uh, Proverbs uh, 12 says, The righteous choose their friends carefully. Uh, Proverbs 13 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Or the old saying in 1 Corinthians 15, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Now, this doesn't mean that we should like, not hang around with like, certain people because we are called into the dark places. We are called to be light and salt. We are called to even love our enemies. But those who are closest to us need to be people who are good choices uh, because your friends affect you. They influence you towards Jesus or away from Jesus. They influence you towards loving others or away from love, loving others. Your friends have a lot of influence on you. I mean, I remember, I remember back in high school, I was sort of more, was not the cool kid, I was the nerdy kid, uh, you know, who played the drums. But because I was a decent drummer in high school, there were some more cool kids who wanted to be in their band. And uh, I sort of became friends with them. But they were not the right kind of friends. And I ended up doing drugs a couple times. In fact, over in Mount Sentinel School there, the ambulance had to come once and get me because I was, had some bad drugs. I ended up in the hospital. And, and I, I still have actually physical effects on my body from that day. Uh, just the wrong kind of friends. Uh, do you have the right kind of friends? And so when you're looking, say, I'm alone. I need some friends. You need to choose the right kind of friends. Uh, the Bible says, choose friends carefully. The Bible says, beware of having an angry person as a close friend. And by the way, all this stuff works if you're looking for a spouse too. Because a good marriage, the best marriages are built on friendship. Uh, beware of having an angry person as a close friend. This is what Proverbs 22 says. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. Because anger is often a way to control others. Instead of having a mature conversation to work something out, they'll just explode because they want to control you. That's not the best kind of friend where to know and be known and love and be loved and serve and be served. Uh, you want to find someone who is emotionally mature uh, as a friend who can help you grow. Uh, watch out for friends who are only in it for themselves. Proverbs says a lot about this. Wealth attracts many friends. Uh, many carry favor with a ruler and everyone is a friend of the one who gives gifts. Again, sometimes the people can be your friend for the wrong reasons. And there was a, an elderly lady I once knew in Nelson. I'd go visit her a lot, and she had a lot of money. Uh, but she was always so scared of making friends because she told me story after story after story of people who came into her life only for her money. Yeah. And sometimes people only become your friend because uh, of your position or maybe your financial position or because you're the cool person. They're not really in it to actually love you and to know you. Uh, James 1, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Sometimes people are just your friend because you're a good listener. They, always li they want you to listen, but they never listen to you, right? A true friend is, is a mutual. It's back and forth. I love you. You love me. I give love. I receive love. Uh, we want to see quality, not quantity. I mean, some people, because they get their value from being popular, are all about, I want the most friends on Facebook, and I want to just be hanging out with lots of people all the time. But at the same time, they're lonely. They know lots of people, but they're alone because they have no close friends. Uh, you want to choose a quality friend or two over all these people whom you just got to hide and pretend and that don't really know you. Uh, Proverbs 18, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend 
who sticks closer than a brother. And there is a friend for you. There is someone out there that you can be close to and you can love and get to know and give and receive love. The uh, Bible says you want to beware of the gossip when it comes to friendship. So, uh, uh, Proverbs 16, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Your closest friend needs to be someone you can tell anything. Some of your darkest issues and problems and you trust them not to go gossip. You trust them not to go blab to all your other people. They need to be someone you can trust. You don't want to have a gossip as your close friend. Proverbs 17, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And, and, and we've all seen it. How close friendships have been ruined by gossip. And so you want to find someone you can, you can trust. Uh, you want to be, beware of the one-upper. <laughs> the Bible does tell us to rejoice with those who rejoice. To be a friend, as Bill Hybels, is to celebrate and be celebrated. But do you know those people whom you say, you know, I had the best weekend and I caught a fish this big. You're like, oh, you just seen the fish I caught. <laughs> Man, I had the, the best vacation. I went this, I did all this. And they're like, oh, you should see the vacation I went on. It was, they're always one-upping you. They have an inability to celebrate you. You want someone that you can celebrate and someone who in returns can celebrate you. So how can you be a good friend? Because uh, sometimes the reason some people don't have any friends is because they're a lousy friend. Uh, there can be lots of other reasons, but in order to have a good friend, you need to be a good friend. And one of the first things, of course, for us as believers is, is the idea of love. That we need to love our friends. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks grace will have the king for a friend. And if you have a genuine heart that just loves people, you will easily attract friends because you love them. Proverbs 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. If you want to win favor of man, you want to win friends and influence people or whatever, whatever guy. I mean, this is the way you do it. You do it through love, by loving people. If you just do this, you'll have friends. What a great text. Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others, that you're actually genuinely interested in someone else. Because a lot of time in this world, we're just interested about me. And I want to find someone so I can talk about me. And I can talk more about me, and I really not care about their story, but I just want them to hear my story. That's not a way to make friends. Good friendship is always giving and receiving love. Uh, and maturity is the ability to give and receive love. Mature marriages, mature friendships always have this thing in common. There's this ability to give and receive love. And often people who find themselves alone and have no friends usually are weak in one of these two areas. They're either weak in receiving love or they're weak in giving love. Same reason sometimes people have problems with the church or any family or community. Sometimes people will say, you know, the church is kind of unloving and cold. Or they'll say, well, you know, the church is kind of boring. And if you think the church is boring, it's probably because you are not good at giving love. 
and uh, you are just kind of there for yourself, and so you think it's boring because you're not doing anything. You're not giving love. If you think the, cold, the church is cold and unloving, it's probably chances are you have difficulties receiving imperfect love. Because that's what you get in a church or anywhere. You receive imperfect love. And if you think it's kind of cold and, 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 you know, it's not very friendly, it's probably because you have difficulty receiving love. A mature person can give love and are, able, and are able to receive love. And this is what makes a good friendship. Again, it's mutual. I give you love and I receive love. And it's the same with God. We give and receive love. Uh, you want to be a helpful and encouraging friend. Uh, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Uh, Proverbs 27, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is sweet as perfume and incense. Uh, to be an encouraging friend, you want to be an iron sharpens iron kind of friend. You want to be a faithful friend. Uh, many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Uh, like a broken tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in the time of trouble. And you want a friend who's actually faithful, who shows up when you need. Uh, those are the kind of friends um, that we want to be. The uh, Bible talks about not being a uh, smothering friend. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it, and you will vomit. <laughs> Seldom set your foot in your neighbor or your friend's house. Too much of you, and they will hate you. I mean, uh, you don't want to be one of those smothering friends. Like every, every day you show up at their doorstep, hey, you want to do something? You wanna go do, let's go do something. Like, I, I'm not doing anything. Uh, I mean, people have other things to do. And again, you, you learn, maybe your friend likes that too, but sometimes you can, the Bible says, be careful about being a smothering friend. And, and really important is, if you want to be a good friend, you have to be a friend of Jesus. Because if you're not a friend of Jesus, the tendency is that you will want your friend to be Jesus. Uh, when you're feeling down that they're going to be my source of joy, they're going to be my savior, it's the same in marriages. Marriages that are not centered around Jesus all of a sudden, their spouse needs to be the Savior, and none of us can fill a Savior position. And sometimes people who go through friend after friend after friend after friend because none of them are good enough, it's because they're looking for their friends to be their saviors. They're the ones who are going to give me joy. They're the ones who help me when I'm down. They're the ones who got to puff me up. They're the ones who are going to satisfy my life. They're going to be the answer to all my problems, and only Jesus can do that. And when you fix your eyes on Jesus and you're filled with His Holy Spirit, he actually sets you free to love people instead of using people. When you look to people as, their, as your Savior, you will use them and you will abuse them. But when you look to Jesus and you have your satisfaction in Him, you are set free to actually love people and engage in a proper uh, friendship with, with other people. Now, how do you make friends or uh, deeper friendships? Uh... You might say, I come to church, I've come for years, but I still don't have any close friends. Um, how do I make my friendships, how do I take them deeper? And one of the first things you've got to do, and it seems simple, but you need to be around people to make friends. And I've talked to people who say, I just don't have any friends, and the church just seems kind of cold, and, and I just don't have any community. But there are people who come late, and they leave early. And they just, they're never around people. Uh, you got to get around people. This is one of the reasons, especially for guys. You know men will almost always build friendships around activities? Now, men don't tend to just kind of, you know, sit down and make friends. I mean, uh, if you're a guy or a gal, this works, volunteer somewhere. 
uh, do an activity together, get involved in a ministry, or create your own ministry, or a small group, or uh, get involved with sports, or something, an activity where you're around people, where there are opportunities to actually have a conversation. Uh, you need to get around people, or you can invite people. It is a great time after church is done to invite people. Uh, we got awesome restaurants around here. We got the Dam Inn and the Smokehouse and, and the Evergreen Cafe and the Frog Peak Cafe. Uh, before going home, say, hey, let's, let's hit lunch. I'll buy you lunch today. I'll take you to the Frog Peak or I'll take you to the Dam Inn or whatever. We'll do some lunch. What a great way to get to know people. Uh, invite them out. Invite them to your home or uh, just offer an invitation to connect with somebody. Uh, learn to ask questions. Because uh, sometimes after church, you know, you talk to someone, you're like, hi, hi, my name's Jesse, my name is Joe. I'm going to get my coffee. <laughs> and I know what that's like because I'm an introvert. And sometimes those of you who are introverted, it's hard. But, you know, I've really had to learn how to ask questions. Uh, you know, hey, what'd you do this summer? Oh, oh, tell me about that. I mean, uh, just learn to ask questions can help find that place of common interest because friendships are usually built on something of common interest. And often, especially again with men, when that issue of common interest is not there any longer, often guys will actually find different friends because it's around a common... But thankfully, we all have a common interest in Jesus. And that's what makes this, this family beautiful. So learn to ask questions with people. Uh, learn the art of listening. So easy to make friends if you just listen. Unless you're with two introverts because then it's really hard. But Because uh, then you just both listen and you're like... Someone talk, right? <laughs> uh, but the, you know, the listening is a lost art. To really listen, to ask questions, and just to listen to what is going on in, in someone's life. And don't take it personally. And this is where the risk comes. When you say, hey, when I come over to my house for lunch after church. And they say, you know, I got other things to do. Or, uh, you know, maybe you start hanging out with someone you have a couple times together and you just find it's not working. Don't take it personally if someone doesn't want to be your friend. Because not everybody's going to be your friend. Not everybody's going to be my friend. I know when it comes to a close friendship, there's things that click and some things that don't click. I mean, don't take it personally. You may have to go through a number of people before you say, you know, I feel like you could be my really close friend. And this is just a part of living in community. Part of living in community is is that there will be times when you will be rejected. It's worth it, but it's worth it. Because sometimes when we're rejected over and over again, we will isolate ourselves because I don't want that hurt anymore. But the, the, the fear of being rejected or having this uh, opportunity of being rejected, it's worth it to work through that to find that person or to find that spouse or to find that friend that actually loves you, where you can know and be known and serve and be served and celebrate and be celebrated. And number six, and this is probably the biggest thing, is you need to take emotional risks. If you want a deeper, deeper marriage, if you want a deeper friendship, you want to make friends, you have to, have to, have to learn to take emotional risks. Some of you may know of Bernie Brown. She uh, had kind of a viral TED Talk a while ago called The Power of Vulnerability. It's worth watching, but she has uh, dedicated a lot of her life to study connection between people. Uh, what causes some people to be connected and others not? Why can some people make friends and keep friends and why others always seem to struggle to have friends? And she did all this research 
And it really comes down to people who find themselves in friendships and who are deeply connected and have good marriages are people who are able to take emotional risks. People who struggle to find friends are people who hide, who never allow themselves to be seen and don't take emotional risks. In fact, I got a clip here. You can turn the volume up, Mike. Uh, just a couple minutes from her uh, TED Talk on this subject. to say I love you first. Mm -hmm. The willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. The willingness to breathe through waiting for the doctor to call after your mammogram. The willing to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. They thought this was fundamental. On, uh, online, anywhere, YouTube or whatever, TED Talks, you can get that. It's called The Power of Vulnerability, a bit worth watching. But she mentioned four things as we close here. Uh, these are the four things she found that were in common with people who had good friends. And she found that these four things were not found in people who did not have good friends. And the first was the courage to be imperfect. Because that takes courage to really al allow yourself to be seen. Uh, to have compassion on themselves and to turn to have compassion on others. Uh, this connection, which was a result of the willingness to let go of who you think you should be and to actually just be who you really are. Uh, so again, it's al about allowing yourself to be seen. And then, of course, vulnerability, that you allow yourself to be seen and allow yourself to be known. And this all has to do with taking emotional risk. 
uh, to be a, a good friend with God, it starts with you being honest with your sin. When you say, God, I mess up and I'm a sinner and I repent and I turn from it and you just expose yourself to God, that's how you build a relationship with God. It's from honesty. And it's the same with other people. Uh, when you say, this is who I am. And the more you get to know that person, the more you can say, you know, I struggle in this area and maybe I struggle in this area. And it's when you actually get below the surface that that's actually what makes deep friendships. And if you can never take emotional risks, you will just always find yourself in superficial marriages or superficial friendships, and it'll never go deep. And so uh, just encourage you, uh, pick up that TED Talk, Power of Vulnerability. Encourage you, uh, just hang around after services and connect and talk. Yeah, Darren, comments. Anybody else have any thoughts on friendship? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, time is difficult. Difficult for me, too. Yeah. Probably the hardest thing on my marriage and family and friends is, yeah, is busyness. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a good point, because that's what, how we make friends is when we take those risks to love when we might not be loved back, yeah. Well, we're going to finish uh, our service with communion and, and worship. Um, this table is a table of thanksgiving. It's actually what the word, Idiban communion, and Eucharist is a table of thanksgiving. And uh, we're going to be finishing with a song of celebration. I'll call it the worship team forever. And sometimes we uh, do communion always with kind of soft and somber music, but it's actually a table of thanksgiving, a table of joy, a table of celebration. And so uh, we come and we uh, celebrate what Jesus has done, and we celebrate connection to each other. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians how this bread actually comes from one loaf. And uh, we all take a little chunk of this loaf and we all scatter from here, but we actually are a part of one loaf. We're part of one family. We're a community. And as we come to this table, it's partly we come to remember the work of Christ, how he shed his blood, how he died for us, how he set us free. But we also come here to remember we're part of a family. And so as I always encourage, come here and and be willing to look at people in the eyes and say, you know, I love you, or give them hugs, or whatever. Uh, this, is, this is a connection table between us and God and us and each other. It says in the Bible that on the night that Jesus was portrayed, uh, betrayed, that he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this is the sign of the new covenant, sealed by my blood. 
Drink this in remembrance of me. For whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup proclaims the Lord's death until he comes. And so we come here to celebrate our relationship with Jesus. We come here to remind ourselves that we are a family. And so let's stand, let's worship, and as we sing, you're welcome to come to this table and partake in communion and sing together. <laughs>